Thanks for listening to this Word in Your Ear podcast. If you'd like to get early access to all our productions ad-free, priority booking for our live events, and to take part in our weekly quiz, go to patreon.com slash wordinyourear for more details. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. You're listening to a podcast from The Word. We're rolling it. It's a podcast. And this week, the part of Mr. Mark Henry Ellen, who is indisposed, will be taken by Mr. Alexander Carl Gold. How are you doing, Alexander? Are you you up to the challenge? Uh, I'm not sure, but uh, but time time will tell. There is only one way to find out. Right. So we're going to start with a Stackwaddy game, as ever. Shall I go first? You go first. Go on. Okay, this is a very simple idea. Okay, these are names. Are they the names of bands or are they the names of cocktails? Okay, <laughs> bands or cocktails. Are you ready for the first one? Okay. okay. Yep. Judas Jump. Ooh. Judas Jump. Is that a band or a cocktail? I'm just trying to imagine how it, would, how it could possibly taste. Ugh, I think Judas got... Jump. That's a cocktail. Judas Jump was established in 1969 as a heavy progressive rock band. They used Mellotron, wow. Woodwind, and Brass in their sound and secured a recording contract with Parlophone. They were led by Andy Bound, former member of The Herd. Oh, wow. Okay. And later member of Status Quo and all kinds of people. It definitely should be a cocktail, though. It, it ought to be a cocktail. It would involve cranberry. It would. Uh, moving on. Moving on. Uh, hanky panky. Hanky panky. That's a cocktail. That's got to be a cocktail. It is a simple combination of fennet, branca, gin, and vermouth. Oh, fennet, um, branca. Mm. The okay, blood and sand. Blood that, and sand. that's that's a cocktail. Oh, you know. Okay. Guess his name from a 1922 bullfighter movie and points to its ingredients. The blood represents hearing cherry liqueur, and the sand is for the orange juice. What about Toasted Heretic? That's toasted. a band. That's got to be a band. It's an Irish rock group who attracted a cult following in the late <laughs> 80s and 1990s. They're from Galway. How about Horse Feather? Horse Feather. Horse Feather. Horse Feather. Is it a band or is it a cocktail? I just can't feel it on my palate. I, I would say that, that that's a band. 
No, it's a careful and delicious blend of rye or bourbon, ginger beer, and a dash or two of bitters, poured over ice in a highball glass and garnished with a wedge of lime. <laughs> Mint Royale. Mint Royale. Is that a band or is that a cocktail? That's Mint a Royale. Co- that's a cocktail. No, it's the alias of electronic music producer Neil Claxton. And until 2004, a duo consisting of himself and Chris Baker originating from Manchester in England. Uh, how about the Bend Over Shirley? The Bend, bend Over, over Sh- Shirley. <laughs> that's, that's a very fruity cocktail, surely. It's similar to a Shirley Temple, but all grown up. Mixed together raspberry <laughs> vodka and cubed ice, then add Sprite grenadine and garnish with cherries. <laughs> how about Juicy Lucy? Juicy Lucy. Juicy Lucy. That's on the same menu as the as, as the Shirley cocktail, I think. Now it's a British blues rock band officially formed on 1st of October 1969, uh, featuring Glenn Ross Campbell and Chris Mercer. Actually, it had a hit record. Oh, uh, really? You see, I can do these on you where I can't do them on Mark because you're <laughs> you're so young. Whereas Mark will remember Juicy Lucy, whereas you don't necessarily. <laughs> I can get away with that. Uh, what am I going to give give you? Uh, one more. All right. Gin Gin Mule. Gin Gin Mule. Is that a band or a cocktail? Is that a cocktail? It's a cousin of the Moscow Mule. It is indeed. It's a Gin Gin Mule, uh, a.k.a. the Ginger Rogers. It's a cross between a Moscow Mule and a Mojito with Uh, gin as the star of the show. And I'll leave you with one more. Strawberry Switchblade. Strawberry Switchblade. Band or cocktail? Strawberry Switchblade is is that's a band name. It is indeed. Actually, I think indeed they. I think they were actually on the cover of Smash Hits. Oh really? <laughs> uh, they were. Um, they were from uh, from Scotland, and they were Jill Bryson and Rose McDowell, best known for the song "Since Yesterday" from 1985, and their flamboyant clothing with bows and polka dots, as featured on the cover of Smash Hits. Okay. Well, you did quite well. You did well there. You did very well. Okay, what have you got for me? Go on. Well, I've got one for you. It's it's going back, reverting to the uh, to the uh, uh, old formula. I'm going old school on this one. Of uh, there are five um, things, and there is one ringer within that group. Okay. Um, This is based on a suggestion by Keith Adsley. All Um, right. Okay, we know him. And it's uh, I'm I'm keeping it on brand and uh, going for vegan band names. What you mean, bands of vegans? No, uh, so they're they're vegan things, and there are also a, band names. In, okay. in, indeed, indeed. Okay, okay. So the selection you've got, there's one ringer uh, right. contained here. Is okay. mung bean, <laughs> the the lentils, <laughs> mulberries, mulberries. Go on. S- Soaked oats. <laughs> and Tofu Stravinsky. Run those past me one more time. Okay. Mung, Mung bean. beans. I remember that. Mung bean. Yeah. I love that word. The lentils. The lentils. Yeah. Mulberries. Mulberries. Yeah. Soaked oats. Soaked <laughs> oats. And Tofu Stravinsky. 
I don't have a clue, so I'm going to take a wild stab that the lentils is made up. No, the lentils uh, uh, are a Massachusetts three-piece risen out of the ashes <laughs> of, of the Happy Jawbone family band signed to the mighty feeding tube records. Oh, good God. So Do you have another guess? No, uh, well, mung bean then. Mung Bean are an adventurous quintet integrating <laughs> the pop, polish of pop with the grit of seasoned instrumentalists and performers from Columbus, Ohio. <laughs> Soaked Oats are uh, a New Zealand-based sludge pop band consisting of Oscar Mine on the larynx and mamba, Henry Francis on the bubble stick, Max Holmes on the blue whale, and Connor Freely wielding the gorilla sticks. Wow, go on. Give me the other real one, then go on. Tofu Stravinsky is a, a smooth, crunchy, jazzy and hip beat combo that sound yeah. like walking through a glowing cityscape, drinking good red wine from a Coke can, which is what I always ask for when I walk into HMV. Absolutely. So what, what, what's the ringer then? Uh, well, it's, it's mulberries, which is just great with porridge. All right. <laughs> well, well done to you and Keith Hasley there. That's very, that's very good. <laughs> Thank you. I mean, how many people have got suggestions for these things? They can send them in. Uh, so so nervous what, about that. My God. What, what's the uh, what's the uh, what's the address that people send them to? The address is wiye dot london at gmail dot com. At gmail dot com. Okay. In the uh, in the continued indisposition of Mr. Mark Ellen, I wanted to carry on a thread that uh, it, that he's is a personal favourite of his. Actually, we talked about it uh, many times before on the podcast, which is that the greatest string of uh, unbroken uh, chart success and originality and creativity belongs to Ray Davis in The Kinks in the 1960s, where he just wrote, sang and recorded hit after hit after hit for about a period of about five years, something like that, started in 1964. And we... And we said, well, obviously, there's, there's other people who did something similar. Uh, obviously, the Beatles. But they shared the songwriting duties between two people, you know. So it's a slightly different thing, whereas Ray Davis yeah, had the yeah. pressure on him. <clears throat> and, um, and so, first of all, what I wanted to do was just, let's remind ourselves, shall we, if we can do this, by the, by the miracle of my iPad on my lap here, of this, of this kink string... Of of hits that start in uh, in 1964. You really got me, yeah. What what a track that is! My God. Now you might think you might think all day and all of the night you might think they got into a bit of a rut by that point, but no, because the next one. Tired of waiting for you? Tired of waiting for you. The next one is the one that people forget. Oh, yeah. It's called Everyone's Go- Everybody's Going to Be Happy. It's not one of the most memorable ones, but anyway, it was another hit. <clears throat> next one. Set Me Free. Next one, interestingly enough, the same initial letters. 
see my friends. Ah, yes. Next one's a, it feels like a little bit of a step back, but anyway. Till the end of the day. Till the end of the day. Now, now a little bit of a left turn here, next one. Which is immediately followed by the one that absolutely everybody bought. Of course. That's sunny afternoon, of course. Then followed by a bit of a similar opening. Also, interestingly, it struck me, I was going through this earlier. That's one of the rare cases where they use another instrument other than just the basic stuff of the band. Mm -hmm. So they weren't ringing the changes by bringing in, you know, pianos horns and or, yeah. or whatever, not until there. Then, obviously, this. It's a staple in anyone's musical diet, it should be, surely that. Yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> what, a, what a brilliant, brilliant song. Then this. Autumn I think Almanac. I know that one. Autumn Almanac. Oh, okay. And I think the next one was the first one not to go top ten. Ooh. It's cutting out a little bit. Is it? Great song, Wonder Boy. Then there's this. This is days. Oh, so you know. My God, he was good, wasn't he? <laughs> Jeez. When you think about that, you just, you just think, but you know, John and Paul were a little bit lazy. Do you know, what I mean? palming, palming the dregs off. But yeah, he had to do everything himself. Yeah, absolutely everything. Astonishing. Himself. I still and think I he's got one of the most underrated voices in rock and roll as well. Yeah. You know, he's not a great singer, but the way he expresses things is absolutely. If you sit and listen to to a Kinks album, just listen to the way, like his meter and. Uh, and uh, and the way he accents certain words, and you know, the, he's he's just he's so expressive with it. He, he he worked out how to use the limitations of his voice very very yeah. early on, and I yeah. think that makes him really great. <clears throat> so I I always thought there's nobody quite compares with that, but there is. Oh, I've got a nomination for a, a, a for a, a potential comparison, and it only struck me the other day when I was I was you know I was writing something about this this okay. group this group. <clears throat> Similar group, actually, American rather than British, but similarly utterly dependent on one member, okay, who, who wrote everything, sang everything. And they started off with the first couple of hits were in the States, uh, and hits in 1967, which were, um, which were cover versions. So we won't count them, okay? First, okay. Two, first two were other people's songs. So in 1968... Uh, the leader of this group, somebody said, why don't you ever go writing your own songs? So this is what he wrote. I can't quite hear it. Credence Clearwater Revival, John Fogerty. John Fogerty, Proud Mary. Immediately ah. followed by... 
immediately followed by this. Bad Moon Rising. Cover band staple, that. Absolutely. <clears throat> then there's this. Lodi. Then there's this. Green River. Then this. Commotion. Then there's this down on the corner. Then there's this. As used recently controversially by Donald Trump. Ooh. Fortunate son. Traveling band. Unbelievable voice. Who'll stop the rain? <coughs> and just in case you think he's flagging at this point. <laughs> Astonishing. He's had a musical a power bar just... and got, got his energy back. Run through the jungle. It goes on. It goes on. So I don't know if the, I don't know if you you know not all of those were huge hits in the UK. Some of them, most of them were, um, but the amazing thing about him is he only started in 1968, and he yeah. pretty much stopped in 1971. You know, maybe 1972, just about because the rest of the band said we we want to write some songs as well. <laughs> can I have a can I have a go, <laughs> John? I was just like. <laughs> Here, a little, oh. a little fact on a tangent. I, I once played a house concert at John Fogerty's keyboard um, pit player's place in LA. Oh, really? Yeah, right. yeah. <laughs> it's got a grand piano in the flat. It's astonishing. Uh, but, He's probably, um, doing, probably done quite well out of it. And, yeah. uh, but uh, they, um, you know, he was the guy out front. He was the guy who wrote everything. He was the guy who sang everything. Uh, and then his brother, Tom, played rhythm guitar. And it originally had been Tom's band. But the amazing thing is that John Fogarty had just had this absolutely extraordinary musical talent. And his brother, Tom, had hardly any. You would have thought a little bit of it would have gone over there, you know. What did, and, Tom, have? Uh, did, did Tom have the looks? Was he good at cooking? I mean, there's <laughs> got to be some kind of balance, hasn't there? Because also, that was the other thing about John Fogarty. He was really good looking as well. Oh, what, what a he just Tom hated him. Did, did Tom <laughs> yeah. hate him? Well, I, well, he, he was the first person to leave the group. And, um, <laughs> That's it I was, all. <laughs> I'll I can't show take you. it anymore. I'll, I'll show you, and he didn't. Um, and I was just reading John Fogarty's autobiography the other day, and, uh, and he told me that when they first started <clears throat> agitating to, to contribute songs, he, uh, uh, Tom sent him a tape. Of something he'd he'd he said I've written something, uh, have a listen to this, and so John played the tape and all it was was Tom humming. It's the bridge. Just that two times, then the chorus. <laughs> So 
then later on, but <laughs> it is astonishing when you think about it. I've hummed it. Here, here, here you are. Because don't forget, the, the, the thing that people don't realise who didn't live through the time, straight away after the Beatles kind of broke up and stopped putting out, certainly put, stopped putting out records quite as frequently, Queen's Clearwater Revival were the biggest pop group in the world. You know, everything they did. <laughs> went flying up the American charts, flying up the UK charts and other charts because everybody liked Queen's Clearwater Revival because it was just a, you know, it was a, it was a terrific sound, uh, you know, united the audience in a way that lots of things didn't. And so, so you would have thought if you're going to finally say to your brother who's done all that, I've got something, you'd have thought you'd gone to the trouble of doing a proper demo, wouldn't you? Yeah. <laughs> Not just dubbing it. And so eventually when he let the other two, the, the bass player and the drummer write their own songs, they put out, out an album which just stiffed. And uh, I remember the review in Rolling Stone at the time said, in years to come, this record will be known as Fogarty's Revenge. <laughs> <laughs> now, God, boys, you want to write your own songs? Here you go. Up to the microphone you go. So anyway. So now... Do you have a contender for uh, you know in that in that tough competition between uh, Ray Davis and John Fogerty? Is I there anybody I, else? I think I do, but um, I think I, yeah, I, th I think I do. But with the, with the Kinks with, with Ray Davis, I mean, are we talking about his chart success on both sides of the Atlantic? No, not necessarily. I mean, okay, because let's not get bogged down in uh, Guinness Book of Hit Singles trivia. No, oh, okay. okay. Fine, that's, that's, that's good. Well, well I uh, did a little tot-up last night um, and I discovered that um, that Oasis had 26 consecutive chart hits. Right, okay. 20, 27, actually. There's one in the mi middle that's been written by Liam, but we don't have to count that. <laughs> Probably shouldn't, in fact. Um, but over, what, they split up in, was it 2009? So that's a 15-year career. Um, their lowest chart position was Supersonic, which is the first single. And I think the last one falling down, I think got to number one. But every single one after Supersonic charted uh, one uh, or two, or <clears throat> yeah. which is also quite a run. Um, noted that uh, Noel Gallagher's High Flying Birds have not enjoyed the same chart <laughs> success. <laughs> um, but there we go. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I tell you, the other ones I was thinking of, and I haven't done a calculation, Pet Shop Boys, probably not far off. Mm. I mean, although. That's two people writing the songs, you know, or, or coming up with the ideas or whatever. Yeah. Uh, but you know, they they've uh, they had a pretty long, uh, pretty long streak. But anyway, if, if anybody knows any further contenders for that title, the Ray, we are, we're going to call it the Ray Davis Crown, aren't we? At the moment, because yeah. it, it, it's fairly unchallenged. But it's it's interesting to look at other people who uh, who who were similarly creative. You know, and with the leader of the band in a short period of time during which they had just staggering success. Send us in your, your nominations, please do. What's that email address again, Alex? It is wiye dot london at gmail.com. The Word Podcast, prime cuts of popular culture served fresh each week. So we do love a good story about a, a rock statue here on the on the Word podcast. Oh, and, nothing better. Uh, rarely a week goes by nowadays without somebody proposing to do something in the in the masonry line to memorialise some figure from popular music. 
and uh, you know we're all connoisseurs of of such gems of the art form as the uh, as the statue of Phil Lynott in uh, in Dublin's Grafton Street and the many statues of the Beatles that are scattered all over all over Liverpool none of them managing to solve the essential problem of uh, of um, memorializing a rock star in stone which is the trousers because they can never get the trousers right <laughs> but anyway this is a case of a female and i don't know if you if, if people have followed this that um in tennessee uh, the, stu- the the subject of of statues of uh, of uh, heroes of the south who proved to be confederate generals and Klu Klux Klan luminaries and all kinds of things has been somewhat controversial over the last couple of years. And, um, and they have a statue in the state capital in Tennessee of Nathan Bedford Forrest, who was a, a great hero of the Confederate side in, in, in the Civil War. Uh, and it's been decided that it's no longer appropriate to have him there. And so, and so in the debate about who should replace him, somebody came up with the idea... Who are the other great Tennesseans? Somebody said, not Elvis Presley, uh, because obviously Elvis Presley, not from Tennessee, he's from Mississippi, isn't he? And uh, no, they thought Dolly Parton. And so this, you know, because Dolly Parton is the only musical figure in America that absolutely everybody likes, this got widespread support behind it. And so, and it was about to happen. They were, uh, you know, they were going to have a bill to say, that they would replace Nathan Bedford Forrest with Dolly Parton. But Dolly herself has come to the fore and said, very elegant little statement, this, I don't know if you read it. She said, given all that is going on in the world, I don't think putting me on a pedestal is appropriate at this time. I thought I thought it was very beautifully put. And says, I hope, though, that somewhere down the road, several years from now, or perhaps after I'm gone, if you still feel I deserve it, that I'm certain I will stand proud in our great state capital as a grateful Tennessean. That's why Dolly Parton's career has lasted as long as Amazing. it has. <laughs> Absolutely. Elegant no way of knowing how to deal with it. Not putting anybody's nose out of joint, you know, not, not being offended or anything, but just withdrawing from the problem, you know. Well, she's uh, got- Absolutely nothing to prove, has she? <laughs> Absolutely, and it, it's it's beautiful. I mean, I, I can't see that happening anywhere else. No, any, no. Anyone else of note, you know, they would so, all, anyone else would be would be humbly accepting it. Yes, they would. They would. Cool fact: A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at fifty to eighty percent less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just sixty bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Wow. Nice. Yeah. 
What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Now, I've got to ask you this because... You've actually worked at Dollywood, haven't you? I have, yeah. I spent a month there a few years ago. <laughs> I spent a month at Dollywood. <laughs> Tell us about Dollywood. Where is it and what's it like? So Dollywood is um, is in a town called Pigeon Forge, <clears throat> which is next to Sevierville, which is where Dolly was born. Um, Pigeon Forge, brilliant. The, the swinging pitch, as I like to call it. <laughs> Uh, the foot of the Smoky Mountains, <clears throat> and uh, it's basically if you can have you ever been to Vegas? No, I'd never have, but go on, right? So, if you imagine Vegas is uh Disneyland running through a truck stop, essentially, Vegas <laughs> is pretty grotty, but the strip is amazing. You've got four miles of just absolute, Lights. yeah, um, opulence. <clears throat> um, Pigeon Forge is a little bit like that. It's it's it, it, it's there's nothing, there's just countryside and a few farms, and then they've got this like four mile stretch of road where. You've got bars and a hard rock cafe and museums and a oh, really? replica of the Titanic and an upside down house, <laughs> go-kart tracks. And... Sorry, there's a half scale replica of the Titanic. Yep. Um <laughs> well, on the main street. Yeah, it was just across from my hotel, actually. Um <laughs> because there was some connection with uh, the guy who found the wreckage and he'd be settled in Pigeon Forge, I think, and he decided to <laughs> open a museum. Uh, obviously, yeah. um, so it, it's just it, it's just but it's this this kind of little enclave of bonkersness uh, in the middle of absolutely nothing and you know extreme natural beauty. Um, and then there's a huge theme park that's been plonked right next to it, which is Dollywood. Um, and I spent a month there. Is uh, it big? It's oh, it's big enough. It's you know it's not huge, but it's right, okay. but you know good number of roller coasters and, right, okay. and theaters and stuff. You know, so it's, it's got a standard kind of theme park stuff yeah yeah right um and at the time uh i was with the uh with the united kingdom ukulele orchestra and they had that have this thing called the festival of nations so they have performers from every country in the not every country but all over the world so i was living with argentinian gaucho dancers and german stilt walking (laughs) gnomes and uh french hand pan players and african <laughs> dancers yeah it was it was great it was every little every bit as bonkers you, as you um as you could have imagined i've got this tattoo oh, you can't you can't see on the podcast but i've got this tattoo done there as well by a guy called Doc, dr Payne, um who uh we got in we booked our appointment we got into dr Payne's little little shack and uh it's a big bearded man with a holstered gun and he goes, where, where do you want your tattoos? And I got it with a girl called Taylor and uh, she wanted hers on her side and I wanted mine on my bicep. And he goes, looks us in the eye, he goes, ah, they call it the sweet meat, the most painful part of the body. <laughs> she went first. Um, but it was it was bonkers. It was, uh, but, but nobody had a single bad word to say about Dolly, you know, across the board, you know, but she's very involved in Pigeon Forge and very involved in Sevierville and, um, you know, the sort of upkeep of the town. She's the biggest employer in the area. Really? Um, she, uh, she drops in on the theme park. We all met her, uh, but she works with people there. You know, she's very, you know, she's pretty accessible. Um, she's got this uh, book fund that she set up. Um, yeah, yeah. 
give uh, every ch- a child that wants one um, a kind of a year supply of books mm-hmm. because she grew up uh, not being able to afford them. No, no, so sure. she, she doesn't want any, any child to yeah. be without the um, opportunity to read. And, you know, um, by all accounts, she's a, just a genuinely wonderful, wonderful person. And, you know, I don't know of anybody of that level who uh, of, of fame and who still has that sort of level of integrity and you had your picture taken with her didn't you did yeah yeah the <laughs> only person remember? in the world who's smaller than me <laughs> <laughs> what do you remember about it we whisked in was it like loads of people having their picture taken with the pope or the queen or something? Uh, it was pretty swift because she was doing it with all the performers from that particular right. festival so um we had our little slot and um <laughs> but you know we had a you know a little chat and she was very nice and all right um but uh, but she's yeah she's tiny she's absolutely tiny, um, <laughs> bless her. But it was it was really surreal. Not not just you know being with Dolly, but being surrounded by all these bonkers performers in crazy outfits from all over the world at the same time. You know, uh, and I keep, just I keep telling you, Alex, you got to write a book. There's, <laughs> yeah. a, there's a book. There's a book in in your many musical experiences. In the idea that you're one minute doing that thing and the next minute doing. Something totally different is. Uh... <laughs> it's sell at least three copies. <laughs> yeah, I'd buy one. I'd Aww. buy one. So we've been watching some films as well, haven't we? We have. We've been watching two very contrasting documentaries. Um, one is the Britney Spears documentary, which people may have seen. Framing Britney is that what it's called? I think. Uh, yeah. <clears throat> it's a production of the New York Times. And you can see it on on I think it was on Sky, but it's on Now TV. Now TV. If you've if you've got that the the entertainment package on Now TV, and it's it's interesting, and uh, and the the contrast with the um, the BF uh, the film Traveling for a Living, which is available to watch on the BFI player for free, which couldn't be more marked. We'll come to that in a second. So Britney Spears. What did you make of it? What impression did it leave on you? Um, the overriding impression was poor girl. You know, I mean, uh, she's, I mean, she's basically been bullied and controlled her whole life. You know, that's that's the impression I got from it. And, you know, she's, she's she kind of, you know, it's almost like she sold her soul in, in, in a sense that, you know, um, she opened up the. She had the doors opened her, up to her for all this opportunity and all this kind of all this all this wonder and success and material wealth, but but the cost of that was um, extreme scrutiny to the to, to to a point that no human should have to endure really, uh, and complete um, swiping of her freedom. On, on, uh, and it's just, you know, uh, she can't get out. She can't, you know, she can't. She could never be free. I don't think she ever will be free. You know, there'll always be someone controlling her. And and she just wants to, I think she just wants to sing and perform and do what she loves to do. And, you know, um, and it, even that seems to be a, a complicated business for her. It's, uh, well, I suppose it's a very complicated business if you do it at that level, isn't it? You know? Yeah, yeah. The thing, the thing that struck me about it is, is, is uh, again, my God, has it been that long? Actually, you know, yeah, yeah. You know, I can remember when she first burst upon the scene. So when's that? Nineteen ninety-eight, something like that. About that, so, yeah. So yeah. that's it's getting on for twenty-five years ago. <laughs> twenty-five years of maximum fame 
for a variety of different reasons. You know, first of all, for pop sensation, you know, everybody loves her. Then it's a bit controversial. Then there's the marriage. Then there's the children. Then there's the cuts off her hair, you know, public displays of, you know, instability. And then she comes back. And now she's being having a documentary made about her by, note, the New York Times. This is the bloody New York Times making a film about a kind of a pop star who in, in any other era would have been and gone by now. Yeah, yeah. Because that's <laughs> the interesting thing to me is that you contrast that with, you know, other people who were kind of sensations in earlier times. I don't know, the Osmonds or... Lulu or whoever it is, they had their time and then they went away. And so but, they, they, got, they got their obscurity back, which wasn't was... particularly what they wanted, but they got it. Where <clears throat> she has been absolutely in the limelight for all that time. The thing with Britney is she she battered down a lot of doors, didn't she? I mean, um, I mean you know, there was the Spice Girls, there was Britney and... Um, you know, I think it was, you know, quite rightly, very, very liberating for for, for girls. You know, because there hadn't really been pop stars. Well, like although that you get that woman from Jive Records who appears in the in the in documentary, say, and it's classic case of how people say things in documentaries that when they suit the turn of the filmmaker, nobody challenges them at all. So before before her, her it hadn't been women at all. And you thought, hang on, hang on, Spice Girls, Madonna, Janet Jackson, you know. She, all right, she might have been different, you know, but she wasn't. Mm. She wasn't the first at all. But undoubtedly, you know, it, it, she was very powerful for. Uh, but you know, I think people I think like it, my 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 eldest daughter who grew up with her, you know, what's yeah. happening in the world of Britney is still is still really important. But don't you think also, this is a terrible irony, that the <clears> things <throat> that kept her famous are, are all the disasters. Yeah, had it not been for the disasters, none of this would be happening now. Obviously, you know what I mean. But had it not been for the disasters, she probably wouldn't have been doing that mad residency in Las Vegas. Well, if you think uh, about it, so that, around the time of those disasters, um, you know, when she split up with Justin Timberlake and you know uh, hastily got married to another guy and all that kind of stuff, I mean, that was, I mean, for, for a start, the paparazzi were really kind of uh, rabid. But also, the internet was just yeah. opening up, so all of yeah. a sudden, you had this new medium where you could, where you could basically see what these people were up to all the yeah. time, which hadn't happened yeah. before. No, that's... Um, so the technology, I think, by proxy, kept her in the public eye and kind of prolonged, um, prolonged everything a, 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 along with it. Um, but you know, this is what a woman that's approaching forty, and she's still being controlled. You know, all aspects of her life are still being kept under lock and key you know it's, it's a little bit michael jackson isn't it oh it's it, you know I, I i i watched it and i don't think i wasn't left an awful lot the wiser really oh it was it's certainly worth seeing no doubt about it as a kind of as a reminder of what happened the day before yesterday which yeah, is yeah. the way i think of it. it it is it's very powerful but and it was also a reminder that I think we were talking about this the other, recently on the podcast. Would you want to be famous nowadays? Because, because 
the people who are in the foreground of this film are the fans, are the kind of obsessive fans yeah. who are dedicating their lives to trying to bring about changes in a life that they know nothing about, really. None of us know. We don't know what's going on, really, at all. So they're basically taking what Britney um, posts on social media to be cryptic coded messages about wanting to break free of the change she's currently bound by, you know, um, putting two and two together and making perhaps 17. I tell you, the other thing it reminded me of coming in a completely unrelated field is, uh, is the kind of popularity of QAnon conspiracy theories in the United States. You know, that if you wanted to, to see an, an argument for how the internet made people mad, <laughs> it's a contributing Part of that argument, isn't it? Yeah, you know, yeah. it's, it's people are kind of hysterical about it. Do you know what I mean? And that Britney liberated me. No, she didn't. She made some records. Yeah. You know. <laughs> yeah, or you did that yourself, you know. But it's, um, yeah, it's interesting how people are, you know, are completely willing to to pin their entire identity and their progression as people on 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 one person they've never met and never will. I never will. No. Absolutely. And somebody who's never lived any kind of normal life ever. Yeah, yeah. You know, since the age of about six. It's um, it's worth seeing. It's worth seeing. And also, as I said, a great contrast is there is a film made about the Watersons, the great folk family. Um, and I suppose the, the uh, connection to the Watsons nowadays is Norma Watson, who was one of them, is the mother of Eliza Carthy and the wife of Martin Carthy. And uh, up until not long ago, still made records. And uh, it's a fantastic little BBC documentary made about them. must have been shot in the winter of 1965, so it's black and white. Yep. <clears throat> and it... Nothing could be a more fantastic contrast to the opulence of the Britney Spears film, you know, which is absolutely everything, every single moment in everybody's life is recorded, you know. Uh, and this, this is black and white. This takes you back to the world of uh, cobble streets, terraced houses, and people changing babies, toweling nappies while smoking a cigarette. Yeah. Oh, cigarettes everywhere. I noticed that, you know, there's a little segment where they're recording in the studio. They're all gathered around a mic and they've all, all got fags on the go. All four of them. All four of them. All four. Astonishing. And, um, and it's just, you know, before anybody knew that there was going to be a big folk revival and that people like the Waterstones would still be talked about 40, 50 years later. Nobody knew that at the time. You know, they were just presenting this for the BBC audience. That, oh, look, there's these people here who come from kind of gypsy stock, who are reviving all these old songs, which they've they've gone down to Cecil Sharp House in their to old listen van to. to listen to, because it's the only way you could listen to it. There they are listening on single headphones, aren't they? I think yeah, they yeah, single headphones. Uh, well, you know, well, the curator brings out rare field recordings made of, of some singer down in Somerset or, or Yorkshire or whatever. And uh, which they they uh, use as the basis of what they do, and then they're they're or they're out playing in folk clubs. I think I think part of it shot Hoddesdon Folk Club in Hertfordshire and up in Hull and so forth. And it's I thought musically, I thought it was fantastic. Did you like it? 
I did actually, yeah. Um, and you know, there was there was that little segment uh, where they were in rehearsal and um, they were talking about rehearsing and um, and how they didn't really um, go off any particular arrangement. They kind of felt their way through it. You know, they yeah. were so in tune with with how things should. You know, a lot of it was quite instinctive, and I think that's what helped gel the sound together. I mean, they were completely knitted. Um, oh, it was- absolutely, it's it's really worth seeing, and um, you know, nothing could be a great contrast. You know, from it just shows how wide the world of music is. I suppose that uh, those two things are in it, but it's it's there on the BFI player on the BFI site for free. You can watch it. It's called Traveling for a Living. It's made in 1966. Highly recommended. This is a junction in the word podcast. It separates that bit from this next bit. We are back. Uh, any other business, Alex? Any new patrons? We have some new patrons, indeed. Uh... We'll welcome them aboard. I still don't have a bosun's whistle, for which I apologise. So you'll just have to imagine I'm piping you aboard. Good <laughs> ship word in your ear. Here we go. OK, um, Alistair Richards. Welcome aboard, Alistair. Donna Reese. Donna, can I carry your bag, madam? <laughs> Philip Guest. Philip, your um, your cabin is just on the next deck. <laughs> Chris Tansy. Yeah, Chris, you will be joining us at the captain's reception uh, around about seven o'clock. <laughs> and medals will be worn. <laughs> Philip Rafferty. Philip, welcome to the captain's table this evening. You Cat- and your good lady wife. <laughs> good lady wife. Cat <laughs> Elliot. Hello, Cat. Can't think of anything to say to you, but uh, welcome aboard. <laughs> and annual patrons, uh, Marion Lewis and Michael Pilch. Oh, well, we'll see you on the foredeck for a game of quoits tomorrow morning. <laughs> well, <laughs> and there, there speaks somebody who's never been on a cruise in his life. You, sh- <laughs> you should have been. Uh, you should have been the expert on that kind of thing. Um, what else is happening in the world of word? We've launched our line of merch, haven't we, Alex? Which we is have. rather exciting. It is, it is. You've been representing, haven't you, Dave? <laughs> represented with, <laughs> with, my, with my hoodie. Alex thought the sight of me in a hoodie was uh, was comical because... No, he, no, no. Was, was, no, you look good in it. You look good in it. I've just never seen you in a hoodie before, but you look it, really good in it. it. So we've, we've got hoodies with a word in your ear, a light entertainment of dark times, um, artwork and hoodies and T-shirts and mugs and face masks. Face anything masks, else? Yep. Anything uh, else? Am I forgetting anything? I, th- I think that's that's it on the line at the moment. Okay, that's hey. uh, on the head. This is early days, early <laughs> days. And so, if you order them there, you you get them. I ordered my my sweatshirt. I think on Tuesday, and it was in my home on Friday. Uh, which don't I'll, mess about these guys. Uh, yeah, don't mess about at all. And I have to say, I'm very pleased with the quality. So, so there you go. And so there'll be a link to um, to find out more about the merchandising on on the website. Uh, yeah, on wiylondon.com. Wiylondon.com. And uh, you know, if you haven't already looked into the benefits of being a Patreon supporter. Please do that, patreon.com slash word in your ear, because that's the only way to make sure you get all of this stuff, all the stuff we're doing, all the word in your attics, all the crowdcasts. We're doing a crowdcast on um, Tuesday. Tuesday, yeah. With Daryl Bullock, who's written a fascinating book called The Velvet Mafia, 
which is about the gay men who ran the swing in the 60s. And so here we're talking about Larry Parnes, Brian Epstein, Robert Stigwood, Lionel Bart, all kinds of people. And it's fascinating, untold part of the 60s story. So I'll be talking to him about that on Tuesday evening. And Patreon supporters will be able to join us in the room live when we do that. And then we record it. And then that goes out uh, as a podcast and video cast, whatever, subsequently. And so all this stuff is on YouTube under Word in Your Ear. Um, if you listen to the podcast and you enjoy it, please do, you know, recommend it and rate it on whatever platform you use because that sort of stuff does does genuinely make, make a difference to us. And uh, we'll be back in full effect over the next week, uh, joined by Mr. Allen, we hope, when he recovers from his indisposition, <laughs> of, which, of which, no doubt, more later. Okay? <laughs> Bye-bye. This podcast was brought to you by The Word. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Whether you're a morning person or a bedtime procrastinator, everyone deserves a mattress that works for their style. And you'll find the best mattress for you at Ashley. The new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley brings you one-of-a-kind body-conforming technology, making every sleep tailored to be your best. The collection also features cool-to-the-touch covers and motion absorption to help minimize sleep disruptions from partners, pets, or kids. Shop the all-new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home.